Bonjour et bienvenue à Way Too Seriously. Je suis Paul Moffat. And I'm Dan Moffat. And this is the podcast where we talk about kids' movies and take them way too seriously. This week we watched and will be talking about the French film Le Petit Prince. Or, as it's also known as, The Little Prince, which we watched in English, so we're not going to be talking French anymore. I don't speak French, but Paul does a little bit. A little bit. Petite bit. <laughs> <laughs> we watched the, so we watched The Little Prince. We watched it in English. Yes. Uh, we'll talk about the English version of it. So The Little Prince is a 2015 animated movie directed by Mark Osborne. It is based on the novel of the same name by Antoine de Saint-Exprit, distributed in America by Paramount. The English dubbed version uh, features the voices of Jeff Bridges, Rachel McAdams, Paul Rudd, uh, among some others. The story of the movie focuses on a little girl whose name I have to look up to remember. Does she ever have a name? She doesn't. I'm looking at she the description and the, I can't remember her name because she never has one. That's so interesting. So I was trying oh, to come up with it too. It is so fitting to The Little Prince as a book that the little girl in this movie doesn't have a name because no one has a name. They're archetypes. And mm -hmm. anyway, okay. so that makes me feel better about not remembering it. It focuses on a little girl and her mother. They're both ambitious, especially the mother, ambitious about the little girl's future. And she prepares to get into a prestigious school, Worth Academy. Mm -hmm. um, and they move into the neighborhood nearby Worth. And their next door neighbor is an eccentric old man who tells the little girl a story of how he once met a little prince in when he crashed his plane in the Sahara Desert. The story about the little prince is told with a different style of animation, and the story of the little prince is the story of the novel. So the story of the little girl is a frame narrative, and the story that the neighbor tells her is pretty close to the story of the little prince, the book, the little prince. The neighbor, who has throughout the movie had a plane in his backyard that he's always trying to start, gets sick and goes to the hospital, and the little girl decides that he needs the little prince. And so she gets into the plane and flies away to a city of only adults where she discovers that the little prince has grown up and forgotten about being a little prince. And then he comes back with her and the neighbor, the aviator, wakes up again. He doesn't come back with her. She takes him to his home planet she, takes him she to goes his, home. She takes him to his home planet and goes home. And the aviator wakes up again, and everyone lives a more fulfilled life. Mm -hmm. Basically. Basically. Yeah. So as I'm telling this, you can probably sense the moments where I, there's a moment where I think the quality of this movie changes. But mm -hmm. let's put a pin in that and mm -hmm. come back to it. Absolutely. And start with, how good of a movie that is this? And I think we've left this structure of our show a little bit. And let's come back to what we used to do, which is highlights, lowlights. What are the highlights of this movie? Man, for a few of our episodes, like we talked about <laughs> Pixar and we talked about Song of the Sea and how gorgeous their animation was. And here we are again with The Little Prince has some beautiful animation, especially the parts that are the little print story, the paper cuts yeah. look to it. Uh, not quite paper cuts, but like like it's paper, but also 3D animated. It's I don't know. It's beautiful. It's a really well done. The frame narrative and the little girl's story is more traditionally animated, but really, really well made. Well done. And like it's all about these uh these wide shots of the city that is all like, it all looks the same. And there's very, these structured, like very straight roads and everyone's getting out of their car at the exact, and it looks very, uh, I don't know exactly what the word is. Like, I don't want to say Stepford cause that's not quite what I mean, but very like just everyone's but, doing the same thing. Everyone is. 
what it looked felt to me was soulless and robotic. Yes, robotic, definitely, definitely robotic. I don't know if that's what you were and thinking, the, but that's what I think. That isn't what I was thinking, but that is exactly what it is. So that that those parts are really interestingly animated, and they really are evocative. Yes. of exactly what you are meant to think, which is this little girl is, is in this very rigid space, and then the world of the aviator, her neighbor, is this messy interesting eclectic world for her to enter and Mm -hmm. that is a really cool part of it yeah i think the visuals in this movie are great Mm -hmm. this frame narrative that's all computer animated i totally agree is would stand out anyway if if that was all the movie i would think the animation in this movie is pretty good it's very emotionally evocative you said and i think that's exactly the word like it does an amazing job of expressing what they want you to feel the the emotional background and context through the visuals Mm -hmm. but then when we step in yeah and we've alluded to this i think in you already did and in the our description of it but if you aren't familiar with this movie to say really plainly mostly computer animated but the parts that are from the book are stop motion and the Things in, and I looked it up. It is stop motion. It is stop motion. Wow. And yeah. they're stop motion paper. Yeah. So it is made out of paper, paper craft, stop motion, and it is astounding. It is wow. so beautiful to hear that that, that really is paper craft. Wow, that makes even bigger difference. So the frame narrative animation is really good, mm-hmm. and then the paper craft animation is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's so good and beautiful and. The diff having that story be in a different style of animation itself is like inspired, mm-hmm. uh, and it being this like paper craft specifically because it's the story written on paper, but also it's so delicate, and it feels like it's going to blow away because it is. And there's something about the story of the little prince that really fits with that. Things are ethereal, things are impermanent but mm-hmm. beautiful. Yes, exactly. I agree. That was the massive highlight of this movie. Mm -hmm. And even like way back years ago when we first, like probably two, two years ago when we first saw the trailer of this movie, more than two years ago, you who have a lot of feelings about the little prince (laughs) were like, we have to see this. This is amazing. And it took kind of for, it was kind of more independent and it was French. And so it took for a while for it to come to theaters. But when we first saw it, we saw it on the big screen, and it was really worth it yeah. to see this animation on on the big movie theater screen. I think I don't. I'm not going to look it up, but I think that there was some like the distributor fell through, like it had been made in France, but it was going to come to America with a different distributor, and then it there was some like kerfuffle where yeah, it didn't. It took a long time. It to took come. a long time to come to. I say America. We're in Canada, but this Same is thing, how yeah. America is a colonial power over the world. Um, <laughs> But, yeah. Any other things that you think are highlights? Um, well, in terms of, like, the story, the the frame narrative embrace having the book with it, I think, is a smart way of doing this. Because mm-hmm. when it comes to the actual book, The Little Prince, it's hard to adapt that. And it's been attempted to be adapted many, many times. And this is the movies. first full-length ad- adaptation of yeah. The Little Prince for a reason. Cause for, it's, yeah, because it's not, it's not just the book. It's a whole... Yeah. It's like... It's what it's like to read the book. Yeah. And so that part of it is really cool. And what it does to you and what it does to a person who's a fan of the book or who's just a fan of that in general of like, this is what it's, this is the experience of having a narrative come into your life. And I loved that about it. And I loved the the way in which it tells that story, the way mm-hmm. in which it makes you feel like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. When she first gets that story. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think what about you? the premise of it, I totally agree that the concept of the frame narrative and how it is framed, especially at first, mm-hmm. is really good, really well done. Yeah. Um, Low lights, or do you have more to say? I don't have anything more specifically to say. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe one highlight is, ju- one more highlight is just like, uh, we'll get to this with way too seriously, but the book is an enormously beloved classic. And mm-hmm. so, and they do a lot 
when the part of the story where they're retelling the story of the little prince, they don't reproduce all of it, but they reproduce a lot of it. And they really, I think, capture a lot of the feeling of the book. Mm, Yeah. So I I think that's a highlight of it, that it's like seeing this book uh, and it's the emotion of what you said. It's like the experience of reading the book and having like seeing how this story affects her and being able to kind of understand how the story of the little prince has affected the writer and director of the movie because of how they've put this movie together mm-hmm. was Absolutely. Uh, affecting for me because I have a lot of feelings about this book. Mm-hmm. How it lowlights. Well, I know what you're going to say, and I think I'm going to say the same thing, which is there's the halfway point of this movie feels like the end past halfway i think it's yeah two-thirds two-thirds they're they come to the end of the story of the little prince and and then the movie keeps going Mm -hmm. and she goes off to a planet and finds the little prince as an adult Mm -hmm. and i just that part of it loses me in a lot of ways yeah i just i it loses its charm and it feels like when they were making this movie they ran out of time or something, or they ran like, they were like, oh, we need to make it longer. Yeah. And so let's add this extra bit at the end. Yeah. And it was like, oh, okay. And I said a second ago that I feel like it captures the feeling of what the little prince is and what it's about. But then there's a part in the last third where I'm like, have you even read this book? Do you even know what this book is yeah. about? It's like, imagine if someone made a movie where Peter Pan has grown up and returns to Neverland (laughs) to rescue his children. (laughs) Oh, wait. Oh, wait. No. We already did that one, Paul. We we did that one. But I feel like in some ways they're trying to do that same, to hit that same note. Mm. Maybe not, like, it's French they might not, the makers might not have hook in mind because they might not be aware of it or like it, but whether it's trying to accomplish the same thing as hook because of hook, mm-hmm. they're just trying to hit that same note. And I think they don't. Yeah. The premise of like a metaphorical representation of childhood who has grown up is much better done in hook, mm-hmm. which is the obvious comparison because of that in yeah. my mind. But like also what the little prince is a you the little prince doesn't grow up, guys. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> he really doesn't. And if he, yeah, I mean, we can talk. We'll talk more in the way too seriously. Yeah. But right now, I'll say I don't think that was a good idea. Yeah, I don't think that was well thought out. I don't think mm-hmm. that was uh, a good plan. And even there's a part near the end where the little, like the little prince, as an adult, voiced by Paul Rudd, by the way. His character design, like, he looks kind of, they do a pretty good job visually of he looks like what if the little prince was an adult, sort of. Then there's a part where they go to his planet and he becomes a child again, but he's animated in the same style as her. And it is off-putting. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Yeah. And both our kids were like, I don't I don't like him like that. I like him better as paper. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, like, I had been thinking this paper animation is beautiful. The frame narrative is great. And then you put the paper animated character and you animate him in the style of the frame narrative. And I suddenly think, which I hadn't thought before, this frame narrative animation is garbage. Mm. (laughs) And I don't think it is garbage, but it made it feel for a second like it was. Yeah, Yeah, because it wasn't the same. And it wasn't as good. Like, not just the same. It just Mm. wasn't as good. Mm -hmm. And the, the little prince is a fantasy and he needs to kind of stay in the realm of fantasy as opposed to in the, you know, real world with the little girl. Yeah. And that's not... I just think it was a bad idea. Yeah. That's about it as far as lowlights. Like, yeah. I don't think that there's anything else about this movie that I watched and thought, oh, that wasn't well done. Mm-hmm. At all. Yes. In fact, when we talked about highlights a second ago, I want to cast back and say one more little highlight, which is a lot of the background things and especially the background vocals... I don't know if you noticed. Hmm. I think you didn't. But they're listening to the radio often, and it's like quiet. And if you happen to catch it, it's hilarious what they're saying on the radio. And it's things like, 
Today in the banks, many bankers took little pieces of paper and put them in drawers, <laughs> right? Good morning. In matters of consequence today, figures were managed, counted, and record-breaking numbers have been written down on pieces of paper, taken to the bank, placed in drawers, and locked with a key. It's really funny and really effective, and it adds this, like, newscasters talking nonsense on a monotone that is what the Little Prince is book is about is grown-ups are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's not Peter it's Pan about growing up is something that you want not to do, which yeah. is what the last third makes it about. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So we- I was going to say that that's what kids hear when the radio is on, when, they, when you hear talking. Like, our kids get so annoyed when we talk about the price of gas because all they hear is blah, 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 gas prices so much. And we're like, but we're just talking about how much it costs to fill our tank. <laughs> and they're always going up and down. But I understand that, like, to our blah, kids... Blah, blah. Yeah. It's so boring that and that's what the radio are always is. talking. Uh, the, yeah. That detail in the movie is a highlight. They, li- they literalize what she is experiencing of the world. Yeah. Apart from the quality of the movie, how did you enjoy this movie? I enjoyed it. <laughs> Giant pause. I, I really enjoy a lot of it. I think that it, like I said before, it really rings true to the spirit of the book and to the spirit of reading a narrative to um, the joy of childhood and the despair of childhood of of uh, that looming thing that happens when you're a child of someday I'm going to be a grown-up. Mm-hmm. That this movie shows that really beautifully. And I've seen it before and, I, and I've watched and this is the second time watching it and I would watch it again for sure. Yeah, my basic... As before, I keep saying the same thing, which is, I just think the same as you. But Because <laughs> I think all the good thoughts. I enjoy the first two-thirds of it so much. And my memory of it, based on, like, my emotions, was that the last third... Like, the last third didn't actually go off the rails as quite as much as I thought no. it did. Because in my memory... It, like, went enormously off the rails. I had just completely blocked out that part. I was like, oh. this movie is over? And then, oh, yeah, there's this whole part. I had just, like, forgotten about that. My memory of it. And still, like, my enjoyment level of that section stands by what my memory of it is, which is that it, like, drops enormously in the last third of it. Mm-hmm. I like it so much, the first two-thirds, until... She goes off on her adventure to find the little prince, and then it just adult little prince, and I'm like, (laughs) on this movie. So, but I enjoy, I'm with you that, like, the first two-thirds, I enjoy so much that I would watch it again, like, tonight. Mm -hmm. And I, my feeling after watching it once was I had thought, I had expected not to like the frame narrative. I had expected to go mm-hmm. into it and say, like, the the papercraft stuff is great, the frame narrative sucks. And then I watched it, and the frame narrative is also really great yeah. for the first bunch of it, yeah. for most of it. It's not, just, of it. it's not just good enough, it's great mm-hmm. until it's terrible. Yeah. And I had kind of thought it was Terrible Terrible's too strong, but in comparison, I suppose. Yes, only My, in comparison. I, until I stopped, until I hated it. I loved it until I hated it, mm-hmm. the frame narrative. And I thought I going into watching this movie a second time, I thought I was going to feel ambivalent about the frame narrative all the way through mm-hmm. and love the papercraft stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So let's go a little bit into the way too seriously. Way, way, too, way too seriously. That's my little segue thing now. Have you <laughs> noticed it? I'll add an echo to it. Ooh, fun. Um, so I have a few things, and I'm going to start this way too seriously by talking a little bit about the background of this movie and book. Mm -hmm. First is just to say that like uh, French film, right? Has a reputation as being like super artsy and difficult to understand and Mm. emotional. And there's an like uh, expressionist expressionist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And there's actually an aspect of this movie, despite it being so, uh, a kid's movie and accessible in a lot of ways. 
There's an aspect of this movie that really falls into what the cliches of French film are. And all the things that we said earlier about the design of the city and the way that it's all expresses the emotional state in the visual style mm-hmm. is like what you would expect from French film. Yeah, that's very true. And it's, I was kind of part way through watching this movie before I was like, there's all these cliches associated with French film. You like this movie? Congratulations. You like French film. Yeah, absolutely. This is the most successful French film ever, Hmm. financially speaking. Well, it's the most successful French book ever, or book ever, or... Depending on your definition of successful, right? So the, what... The Little Prince, the book, uh, has been translated, was one of the most translated books in the world after, like, there's the Bible, there's the, uh, what else is there, the the like religious texts but after all those things the most translated book in the world of fiction is the little prince it's It's everywhere it's pervasive in our society and it's like this weird anomaly of this little french children's book that has just been everywhere and i mean i didn't read it until i was an adult I'm curious about our audience. I mean, you're I don't know if curious. you're listening. If you're listening to this episode, likely you've watched this movie, likely you've read this book. But I'm curious about like your experience with The Little Prince because I definitely had vaguely heard of it, but did not read it until we read it to our child. Whereas you, who grew I up, I read yeah. it as a child in French. Yeah, because ha- you grew up going to French school. Yeah. And I had a copy in French on my bookshelf, and it was one of the books that, like, I came back to Mm -hmm. often. I read it many times as a child in French. Yeah. Partly, like, you know, as a French exercise book, Mm -hmm. basically. But also, there's something extremely compelling about this as a book. Mm -hmm. And it has been, as we said earlier, there have been many attempts to make movies of The Little Prince, and this is... Like, the first that has been successful. Mm-hmm. Commercially successful. Commercially successful. And we're talking successful. If we're going to go way too seriously, the logic of this movie would really be mad at us for judging uh, success yes. by commercial success. Absolutely. And frankly, I think the logic of this book also would yeah. be mad at us for talking about commercial se- success about as if that's what's important. Mm-hmm. It's not what's important, but... It is a bit of a gauge of its popularity, which Mm -hmm. is itself a gauge of how much it speaks to people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that financial success does actually matter in terms of how moving a work of art is. Mm. It's not the only, but it is a gauge of how it speaks to people. Yeah. Or it can be. It can be. I think in the case of The Little Prince, the book, it is. I think the reason it's translated so much is it it strikes some chord that really speaks to people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, like, I feel like with the Song of the Sea, our standard points that we Mm -hmm. make on Way Too Seriously, I don't really want to go into too much with this movie. Like, does it pass the Bechdel test? Yes, it has a mother and daughter. Mm -hmm. Oh, except that they're not named. (laughs) No one's named. No one's named. No one actually has names now that, like, the aviator is the old man. There's the little girl. There's her mother. There's the little prince. There's a cast of characters who are... The businessman, the the conceited man. Yeah, exactly. So technically they're not named, but they do have two very female characters for a lot of the movie. Yeah. And they spend a lot of time talking to each other about themselves and each Mm -hmm. other and... Yeah, exactly. Totally. Um, There's some... One of the critiques that has been leveled against the book is that... uh, the female character in the book is the Rose and she is vain and conceited. Mm-hmm. And so there's some negative stereotypes attached to her and everyone else in the book is male. Mm. Yeah. And so I want one of the things that I think the movie does well is have the little girl be a little girl and her mother be her mother. Mm-hmm. And it, what we always say, how do you solve those problems? By just add some female characters and it takes the pressure off the ones who are there. You can have a vain and conceited female character if you also have five other female characters who are all kinds of different kinds of human. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly, exactly. And yeah, and adding adding this frame narrative opens up this more of a world to add all sorts of people. Yeah. And I think that works well in this. I really, really like 
the relationship between the mother and the daughter. So before I dive into that, actually, I'm going to back up and say the normal things we talk about, gender, race, I mean, there's in terms of people of color, there's a policeman who is black. Yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah. So there's some, there's some issues things there. to raise your eyebrows at there. Everyone in space, every one of the like types that we meet are white. But that's almost on purpose. Like they're not good people. You need to, the, much okay, like yeah. with women, you need to have some, uh, people of color who can take the pressure off of every person of yes, color being okay. a positive representation. Yeah. Fair enough. Anyway. There's you, very you're, little... You're getting, you keep circum, circumnavigating your point. I was just going to say, <laughs> and there's very little in terms of sexuality. One of the things that I like mm. about this movie a lot is that there really isn't any. No, there's no romance. There's no... The prince at all. loves his rose. Mm. But I think... One of the reasons why that is so compelling in both the book and the movie is, like, she's a flower. She's gendered female and he's gendered male and maybe that is... Uh, heteronormative. Maybe that is heteronormative a bit. But their relationship is explicitly called love, but it's not a romance. No, not at all. She's a flower, yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it's a platonic love. It's a devoted, yeah. uh, fraternal, platonic, like it's not... I don't, I don't know if, I mean, yes, I think it is. But I think that one of the things, one of the reasons why The Little Prince is so compelling is it's a, it deliberately isn't one of the neat categories. Mm -hmm. It's a child's love for beauty and the world and things that are special to them. And it's like, is that... Family love, friendship love. I mean, it's the most noble kind of romantic love. Yeah. In that it's just like, I love you because you're with me mm -hmm. and I want to be with you. Yeah. Right? Some parts of romantic and sexual love are that, but it's the most innocent and pure parts of that. And so they talk about, and they don't know how to love each other properly, so they don't show it properly is both in the book and the movie, but they feel it properly. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's starting to get us into like the way too seriously of this movie. There's a number of different avenues that I would love to talk about. And maybe uh, we can start where I was going to start a second ago, which is this mother and daughter. Mm-hmm. I really like them. Hmm. That is, I really like what the movie does with the mother and daughter and their, like their relationship with, their each, relationship other. with yeah. each other. Not that when I say I really like them, not that I think that this mother is an uh, example of what a good mother should be like, mm -hmm. because in a lot of ways she's a, well, a she's, cautionary tale. She's trying to live vicariously through her daughter and she's trying to cope with, uh, it's mentioned very briefly, but their hu her husband has left and he left them mm -hmm. and and worked so hard he left. Like, it seems like either he worked himself to death no, or... No, because he sends, her, sends the daughter a present. Oh, does he? The snow globes with the city in it oh, that happen at the beginning of the movie that's... and are like, why are you collecting a bunch of snow? It seems like one of these details, like everything's the same, robotic. She has a whole shelf full of snow globes of... Of Cities. skyscrapers. Oh. And then for her birthday, there's a present from dad that's another snow globe that she puts up. Oh, I didn't catch that. Okay, so yeah, he's left. And this is the mom trying to cope with yeah. this single parent life. And she's having her career. And she's just uh, the kind of personality where she's very driven and she sees the future as a place to be, and she doesn't, but the present as just an avenue to the future. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things I love about the way they're represented is that, I mean, it is a fable, and it is everything is exaggerated and caricature, but she could so easily be, her part of it, for example, she could so easily 
be throughout the entire movie what she appears to be at the very beginning, which is uh, cold, driven, but impersonal, living vicariously through her daughter, and inflexible. Yes. And they don't have her learn a big grand lesson a la... I don't know why I keep coming back to it, but because it's about childhood and adulthood, I suppose. She isn't Peter in Hook, who like <laughs> no. is, is jumping out of windows at the end. No. We just, I feel like we just see her in mm. more complexity. Then yeah. it starts out that she's this caricature of a... The, the Life plan. We're not leaving anything to chance. Everything's here. Oriented top to bottom, left to right. Let's take a closer look. The minute of the hour, the hour of the day, the day of the week, the week of the month, the month of the year, the year of your life, everything. And by the end, she's willing to be, She's. we have just slowly seen enough of her that she loves her daughter and cares about her and is making mistakes and is trying to do her best yeah. and is willing to be flexible when she has to be. Absolutely. And doesn't want to be because she's afraid. And we get that nuance to her, I think, so well. And this is like I said, I don't like, didn't enjoy and think the last third of the movie is bad. But the very end of the movie is great again. Yes, absolutely. After absolutely. they drop the little prince off on his planet and then mm-hmm. the little the girl returns home, it is great again. And back yeah. to the mother and the daughter and their relationship with each other as like vicariously through the aviator and through the little prince. And yeah. the mother doesn't know anything about the little prince, but still her... Like, we get, I think it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. As well as I think it's, you know, funny and whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think there's some real serious complexity to this mother-daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the daughter wants to be driven as well. Like, she's not, it's easy to say, like, oh, she's only like that because her mother has convinced her to be like that. But she also is, she's having fun in that really rigid schedule until she kind of catches a glimpse of what if I didn't do that? Yeah. Here's this beauty. Here's this interestingness outside of, outside of that. I I keep coming back to and thinking about that scene at the beginning where the, where the mom takes the hose and sprays all the pigeons. <laughs> I don't know like what my point is there, but like, it's just a funny scene and like, and it echoes towards like, when the little prince is flown by birds and they're all, and they use birds for things. But like, she's just, she's the kind of person who's going to spray pigeons out of her yard. And that's not like, and it's, she's not being evil. She just doesn't want pigeons in her yard. And maybe it's because I don't like birds and I would spray <laughs> pigeons too. To be it's honest. a very funny moment. I think the way it's phrased, I think the way that it is filmed and presented to us is not malicious or I think it yeah. totally is all about how it's presented to us. You could film that so that she's harming the birds and that's evil of her. Mm-hmm. We get it a little bit of her. It's kind of funny that she doesn't care about the beauty and interesting things in the world, but it mm-hmm. doesn't make her cruel. It no. just makes her focus misplaced. Yeah. Is the, the movie thinks, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like if we want to, there's other directions and we could talk about the central idea of the movie is I Mm -hmm. think maybe the next place to go. Yeah. The central idea of the book is represented by the most quoted, uh, line from the book, which I'll say in English is, uh, it's only with the heart that you see clearly. What is essential is invisible to the eyes. And I think one of the things that makes the book so very lasting and compelling and moving is uh, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry never clarifies what he means by that. Hmm. What is essential is invisible to the eye. Well, what is that? It's what's invisible to the eye. Yeah. You don't see it clearly with your eye, only with your heart. Does that mean love? Well, People interpret it that way, I think rightly, yeah. but he doesn't make it as simple as that. Yeah, it isn't as simple as that. It's not just as simple as love is what's most important, mm-hmm. right? I think for de Saint-Exprès, 
more than just love is what's important. Mm-hmm. Love is one example of the things in the world that are most essential but are invisible to the eye. Mm-hmm. Does the movie share that perspective? I feel like the last part of it, the part that we don't like as much, where she goes off to this planet of grown-ups, and what's the the theme is like everything not essential will be erased or but yeah, everything not essential will become made essential. Will be made essential, and and so that it feels like what the writer of the movie, what the director of the movie is doing is saying, here is what this book, The Little Prince, was about. We did this first part with it. And then we're going to take that and apply it to a different situation. Mm-hmm. And so they stretch out the metaphor mm-hmm. and take it to this new planet of grown-ups where they think that only like paper clips are essential and things like and they grind up her bike and her and they're gonna grind up the plane and make it into paper clips clips and they're grinding and he's he's keeping all this and the businessman is keeping all the stars because yeah he owns everything and it's taking so it's kind of like here's what i learned from the book taken to a new place you know and i don't i I don't think it doesn't quite work but i also think that's that's what the movie is doing it's trying to take the metaphor of uh, all you need is love, except not really, and well, say really, that like, people who don't think that are businessmen. And <laughs> it really, there's two things, right? One, the movie very much runs with the word essential. Yeah. And the very first scenes when they're going to Worth Academy, uh, all the posters on the background, what will you be when you grow up? Essential. Yeah. And uh, and then they get to the world of grown-ups, and he's like, I'm taking what's inessential and making it essential. Right. And it's, a you know, from that phrase, what's, what is essential is invisible to the eye. Mm-hmm. And the kind of way that the movie uses the word essential is negatively. Yeah. People call things essential and that's a bad thing. Yeah. Saying that you will be essential when you're an adult is a way of saying, is a shorthand for, you will be a cog in the machinery of business. You'll be essential in that sense. And definitely that's in the animation. It's very much their cog in a big wheel of the city. Yeah. Hmm. But I don't, but it's interesting that they're really fixated on that word essential, but uh, in the book, essential is good mm-hmm. you don't see clearly with the heart what's essential is invisible to the eye and so perhaps the movies say is you know drawing attention to this by saying that these adults don't understand what's essential they mm-hmm. think something's essential when it's not they've got yeah. it all topsy-turvy and backwards and that's really made clear by they're making paper clips which could you think of a less essential thing yeah right so they but there's a level of of complexity to that that I think is easy to miss because for a child especially because what they're literally doing is saying essential means bad or Mm. not literally but what they're doing by their repetition is essential is bad what's essential is invisible to the eye and essential is bad (laughs) yeah right there's another aspect of it that really strikes me my way too seriously about this movie has to all center around the scenes that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that's where the movie is really stating its thesis as a distinct from the thesis of the book. Mm. And we could talk a bit about adaptation if we wanted to. Uh, I think maybe we should. Do you want to talk about adaptation? Maybe we maybe should have talked about adaptation at the beginning of this podcast. Maybe. We're both very tired because we ran a children's party for... 12 kids in our house just before this and like we're both exhausted but this movie is so interesting we watched it yesterday not today Mm -hmm. anyway it's adapted from a book and the way that we're tempted to talk about adaptation is in the language of faithfulness is this movie faithful to the book or not faithful and when it's faithful that's good and when it's not faithful that's bad Mm -hmm. but in fact adaptation is much more complex than that a bad adaptation doesn't stop the original book from existing Mm -hmm. 
and a good adaptation can be good despite being unfaithful. Mm-hmm. That is, it can expand on it in new directions. And I think that the frame narrative of this movie is a great example of a good adaptation that's not at all faithful. Like, there isn't a little girl in the book. Yep. So faithfulness as the language of adaptation, I don't think is that helpful. Mm-hmm. I'm drawing this, by the way, largely on the theory of Linda Hutchins. Um I think we touched on a few of these things even in our Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs podcast where we talked about how staying true to the spirit of a book is is almost as good as staying true to... And well, like what, like, Lin- what Linda Hutchin wants to do is expand, is use a biological metaphor for adaptation. So mm-hmm. she wants to think of art adapting in the same way that uh, evolutionary theory would say that living things adapt. Mm, So adaptation is a work of art changing for a new environment. Mm, mm -hmm. And some adaptations are more successful than others in not because they are more true to what they used to be, but because they thrive better in their new environment. Mm, Right. So an adaptation is something that started with as one thing and has grown and changed because using a, idea that first started with Walter Benjamin, art is alive, right? Mm-hmm. Benjamin says life is only really real as a concept if we apply the idea of life to anything that has a history of its own. Mm-hmm. Are we going to have to add a lot of things in our show notes? Maybe. <laughs> I feel like Benjamin's idea of living things, anything that has a history of its own is alive, mm-hmm. is actually extremely fitting to the to Saint-Exprit's uh, message in Little Prince. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Which is grown-ups want to say, this is alive and this isn't, and this is why, and it's not important. And Saint-Exprit says, everything's alive. Mm-hmm. Everything you can love and matters if it matters to you. Yeah. And Benjamin says, anything that has its own history is alive. And Linda Hutchins says, if art is alive, it can adapt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they take this book and as beautiful and moving as it is and remains to be and continues to be, you make it a movie and you've created something new and where does it thrive and where does it not? And what aspects of the book have been aspects that help it to survive, that help it to be a strong idea and image and art, Mm -hmm. right? All of that to say, I think that there are a lot of the ideas of the book survive in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then it adds some stuff and changes some stuff. And where it has grown and changed is maybe where we want to most focus our thought about the movie. Because if we were going to talk about the ideas of the book, we would just talk about the book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So, all of that to say... All of that to say. The little prince travels from his planet to Earth, and on the way he meets a lot of other planets where he meets a lot of different kinds of grown-ups. Mm-hmm. And the different kinds of grown-ups are all basically negative. They're foolish mm-hmm. in different ways. And they're not just... Most of them aren't evil. Maybe none of them are evil. Mm. They're foolish. And the movie drops some of those... I think maybe it is good that they drop the drunkard. There's one, maybe. maybe, one of the planets in the book that the prince goes to, he meets a drunkard and he says, it's kind of my, one of my childhood favorites because it's a funny to, mm-hmm. a, to a child, the logical loop. Why do you drink? To forget. To forget what? That I feel guilty. That I feel ashamed. Ashamed of what? Ashamed that I drink. Yeah, And it's this ridiculous logical loop. And as a kid, I was like, thought, just thought that was funny because it was funny because it was a loop. And as mm-hmm. an adult, I'm like, yes, that is exactly why people yeah, drink. do whatever. Yeah, yeah, or do whatever. Like self-harmful behavior. Mm-hmm. It really is just that. Not just, but it really is that logical loop. Mm-hmm. And it's adds, as an adult, there's so much pathos to that, not just uh, humor. Mm-hmm. So that's one that's dropped from the movie. And the other one that's dropped from the movie is the planet where there's a lamp. Uh, And this planet is important to Saint-Exprit, and he brings it up a few times later on. There's a lamp and there's a lamplighter. And the planet's so small and rotates so fast that a day lasts a couple of seconds. 
And he's, his job is to light the lamp in the night and put it out in the day. Mm-hmm. And so he lights it, puts it out, lights it, puts it out, lights it, puts it out. And the prince says, why do you keep doing that? He says, because it's my job. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, this planet was slow enough that I had a really easy job. And all I had to do was light the lamp and I'd have the rest of the night off and then put the lamp out and I'd have the rest of the day off. And the planet has spun fun faster and faster and now I work all the time and never get to have a break mm. because I always have to light and unlight that gets dropped from the movie mm. I feel like these two planets that get dropped tell us something about what the filmmaker thinks is important in this movie mm. about this book I mean about the book. and then there's a planet where there's a king and the king rules over the whole universe and gives commands but he that's very truncated in the movie too because in the book the king gives commands the prince says well command the sun to rise and the king says i'll command it to rise at sunrise Mm -hmm. time yeah because if i order my soldier to fly and he doesn't fly The fault lies in me, not in him, because I've ordered him to do something he can't do. And a wise ruler only orders his subjects to do things that are possible for them. Hmm. And so I won't order the sun. I could, I have the authority to, but I won't order the sun to rise outside of sunrise time because that would make me a bad ruler. Hmm. There's a lot of philosophical complexity in that that really the movie doesn't reproduce. No. Because the prince thinks... And we think, reading it, and especially in the movie, we think, like, the king has no real authority. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But there's space in the book for us to say, actually, the king does have authority. He really, it really is true that a wise king orders his subjects to do things that they can do. Mm -hmm. And so you have to decide whether you think the king is, is a showing, is a fable about adults who claim to have authority over things they don't really have authority over <laughs> and try to make themselves feel important by pretending that they can control things they can't control, which is part of what it is, but it's also partly tr- a true thing about shouting at the ocean doesn't make you commander of the ocean, like lashing, giving the yeah. ocean 40 lashes. There's a lot in this book and in this movie too about just like it asks you a question. As a person, mm-hmm. here's a question. It pre- presents a philosophical idea. Here's a question, and then it's just up to you to answer it. And that's, I think, why this book is so popular and why this movie is so interesting is that you just end up with a bunch of questions in your head that you have to wrestle with. And, and the movie, like that as I think, tries to answer it more than the book does. Mm-hmm. And it's yes. where it falters is when it tries to give us answers. You have too many answers. Too many answers. Yeah. Uh, but I was going to say, I'm taking forever to get to my point, which is this. One of the planets has a businessman. Mm-hmm. And the businessman owns everything. And the prince says, uh, what do you own? I own the stars. What are you doing? I'm counting all the stars. Why? Because once I count them and write down on this sheet that I have counted them, that means I own them. Mm-hmm. What good does it do you to own them? Well, it makes me rich. What good does it do you to be rich? I can buy more stars. Mm-hmm. The businessman in the book is neither more nor less important than any of the other mm. planets. Yeah. In fact, he's less important than the king. He gets less time than the king does. Mm-hmm. In the movie, she, the girl, travels to a planet that is the businessman's planet. Mm-hmm. And all the other people that we've met in space exist in this world as, you know, the businessman's minions or whatever. Yeah. So, in the movie, the businessman is not just one of the people. He is the main person. He's the main antagonist. Mm-hmm. He's the main philosophical antagonist. Yeah. He's the one who made the little prince grow up. Mm-hmm. Turned the little prince into a... a chimney mean, sweep. Chimney sweep. What I think is, there's some things compelling about the way the little prince is is presented if it wasn't the little prince he goes from a gifted eccentric precocious child to a disaffected and and bumbling adult 
And that's basically every Wes Anderson movie. Um, <laughs> that's true. It's like what happens to gifted, precocious children if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so there's something compelling about that. But it's the businessman that makes that happen. So this movie stops being about the foolishness of adulthood and starts being specifically about the foolishness of business. Yeah. Right? And of workaholics. Yeah, it really is about workaholics, this whole... And the book isn't. Yeah. Workaholics are just one of many ways that adults can be foolish. Mm. But in the movie, workaholics are what it is to be a foolish adult. Well, and it's what this, it's the perspective this movie takes is workaholic is the worst kind of grown up. Yeah, exactly. And I think that one of the things that makes me think is the same thing that we said in Inside Out, we said it. About the bus driver. Mm, yep. That artists make art where anyone who isn't an artist is soulless. Yep. And that's not, that's because me, when you are Antoine de Saint-Exprit and you're a genius, <laughs> you're an artist who is showing something true to the world. But if you're not quite as much of a genius as that, you're maybe just saying your life choices aren't as great as my life choices because my being making my life choices makes me objectively better than you. Yeah. I think that's where this movie stumbles mm. most. Yes. Is I think that the moral of the story with the businessmen is my financial backers are stupid, greedy, uh, mm-hmm. and soulless. And I, the genius artist, uh, am not. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what the book is about. No, definitely not. I don't think it's what most of the movie is about, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. But it's what the movie becomes about when they travel to the businessman's world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've been talking so much. That's all right. I am very tired. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I have fewer thoughts because I have fewer uh, emotional connection to the book. Mm-hmm. In fact, I kind of want to read it again now that you sell these things because, like, I need to read more of it. We've gone on quite long. I think I'm not sure. I have, have to check the thing. Say? I we've been interrupted a bunch. We have been so interrupted. I'm not a bunch. sure how long. I have no idea that how long true. we've gone. I just talked for a really long time, but I don't know in terms of minutes whether we're long or short or medium. My other thing to say is just that uh, a lot of the ambiguities of the book get washed out in the movie, and one of the major ones. I have another serious moment. Oh, I, yes. I forgot to say what my other thing was. Is okay, go. You talk for in a bit. The bu- in the book, the little prince dies. Like, it's unclear, and it's all about, you know, like, the ambiguity of he goes off to his home planet. But you get, like, he dies. He gets bitten by a snake and somehow magically gets to his home planet, but it's it's the existence of the little prince in the aviator's heart that keep him alive, and that's the whole philosophy of the book. So then to go to a planet and suddenly, oh, no, the little prince really did escape and lives, in, and lives as a grown-up on this planet and then gets to go back to his home planet really undermines the fact that he dies. And you kind of are also expecting, and I mean, it's a children's movie, and I don't actually want the old man aviator to die, but I was really surprised when he didn't. It really felt like he was going to. And then, nope, he's fine. They're all happy ending I mean, and the girl, I think it is very possible to read it as that the, the girl doesn't literally fly to a planet on an airplane in the backyard of her neighbor. Absolutely. And so it's just as possible to conclude that the little prince, you know, was an an invention of the aviator. It did exist and is dead, exists in different ways of existing. Maybe what this really is about, this just, oh, is the aviator has this story that he tells her that he's written down that isn't true. It's not, this didn't really happen to him. The real world is the real world. This didn't really happen. 
the little girl has this experience where the aviator is in the hospital and she's left alone and she goes, this little print story is over. I'm going to write my own. Yeah. And she comes up with her own story in her own head. And it's not as good because she's a little girl. And the only way and the only connection she has to adulthood is workaholics because her yeah. father was and her mother is very focused on work. And so she goes to this businessman idea and this grown up little prince. And that's what she imagines. And that's the story that she tells. Mm-hmm. And when I think of it that way, it does seem better. I don't think it's executed in the best way, but that is, it's about storytelling. Mm-hmm. And the aviator has told this story and then the little girl tells her story and her story isn't as good for many reasons. Yeah. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. And what the little girl is doing is adapting the story. What the little girl is doing is the same thing that the director of the movie is doing. Mm -hmm. Is taking a story that was given to her and turning it into her own story. And it is different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really compelling. I'd say you have never, you know, you are rarely as much of the kind of grown up that this book doesn't like as when you say this story isn't true. I know. There are lots of kinds of truth. And there that's are lots what of this story is telling us. But I get what you're trying to say. I just mean it didn't literally happen. I mean, we could say, I usually am willing to go along with you on this. But, like, I think we we want to maybe say it doesn't happen on the same plane of reality as uh, the, the papercraft story. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen on the same plane of reality as the computer animated story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, one of the reasons why the different animation styles is so compelling because it's not saying that this isn't real or true. Mm-hmm. It's just saying it's a different kind of true. So should they have, when she went off to the businessman's planet, changed the animation style? Yes. They should have changed her to a papercraft version of herself. Or a not papercraft, something, something some third. A third, yeah. A third. I mean, and they kind of do because her stuffed fox suddenly is alive. They don't change That's the animation true. style, but they give us a signal. Mm-hmm. A clear signal. By the way, our six-year-old daughter, like, had a conniption of joy when the fox suddenly started moving. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw <laughs> She was so happy oh. that the fox was moving and alive and she's just like so anyway um i do think that makes me like it better that frame Mm -hmm. that it's about storytelling and adaptation actually yeah as much as it's about anything else but yeah i think the what you say about the aviator not dying the movie chickens out of the both the ambiguity and the bittersweet uh, pathos of mm-hmm. the ending of the book. Yeah. I think they could have had ambiguity about him dying. Yes. They didn't have to have him, like, actually die. No. But I think they could have left it ambiguous. I would not have liked it if it had been, like, he's in the hospital, he flatlines, and then they go see his <laughs> gravestone or something yeah. horrible like that. Yeah. But if they had left it ambiguous and poetically ambiguous, not just mm-hmm. ambiguous like he goes to the hospital and we never find out, but ambiguous and, like... I don't know, in the way that the prince is in the desert and a snake says, I can make you travel like millions of miles. And the prince says, I'll meet you and you can send me. And he goes on his journey. And like, that's ambiguous and Mm -hmm. poetic Mm -hmm. because death is a journey, but so is a flight to the stars. And he flew there on a flight of birds. So why couldn't he fly there on snake venom? Like. But he didn't. <laughs> but maybe he did. But like, but maybe, maybe he, he did, did in a different sense, oh. right? And that's why it's so good. And the girl, there's something really compelling in the movie that the aviator says, I choose to believe he's up there. Is that what you want me to do when you go? Just look up to the stars and make believe that you're not gone? Oh, but if you look with your heart, I'll always be with you. And the little girl basically uh, says, that's bull****. <laughs> I'm going to bleep that out in a recording. But she doesn't say those words, but she kind of says, like, he's alive in your heart. That's baloney. I hate you and your story, and this is yeah, garbage. Yeah, Right? 
that's actually, there's something compelling about that also. Yeah. Because he's still alive. If he's alive in your heart, is garbage. Yeah. Uh, and everyone who's, everyone who's had a loved one die knows that. That, like, you keep them alive in your heart. You go, yeah, but I want them here in my arms. I don't yeah. want them in my heart. I think that's one of the things that the book doesn't actually f- move to that trite point. Mm-hmm. People who read it do. Yeah. But the book stops just short of that. Mm-hmm. The book says, what's most important you can't see clearly with the eyes what's most important, what's most essential, you see with your heart. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't say, that means the fact that you love someone means they're always with you. You can say that, but the book doesn't. Yeah. It leaves it a step before that, and I think that's better. Mm-hmm. I think it's so much more compelling. And so the the aviator says, takes the next step, and the girl calls him on it. Mm-hmm. But then the movie is like happily ever after and she found him and the aviator comes home and there was a moment in the movie where the aviator is saying like i'm gonna have to leave you i forget if he says these words but the idea is you know we all leave each other eventually Mm -hmm. and that's true and the movie chickens out from it and ends by saying we're gonna all be back together Mm -hmm. but no you guys the aviator is still gonna die Yep. And the courage that the book has of, like, we leave each other in some sense. Mm-hmm. And we really do. Yep. The book says pain is also something that you see with your heart. Mm-hmm. And I think the ambiguity that the book the movie doesn't have in its conclusion when the aviator comes back home is... A kind of rose-colored glasses there is trying to say that you can see love in the world, but you don't have to see pain. Mm-hmm. I think that the, when the book says the most important things are you see with your heart, I don't think that means the happiest things. Mm-hmm. That's my other two, seriously. It's about death in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, well, quite frankly, this book was written in the 40s. Yeah. During World War II. In France. In France. And so he saw a lot of death. He did. And then he died flying did. in World War II. Yeah. So I think we're going to end this podcast just by saying, again, what we said earlier. I would love to hear from you listeners your experience of this book. And if you aren't familiar, if you haven't read The Little Prince... It's, you know, 20 pages long. I don't know how long it is. It's super short. It's 100 pages long. It's 100 pages long. And it's a picture, like there's pictures. So Mm -hmm. it's 100 pages long, probably 75 pages of text. In other words, you can easily read it in a sitting. Mm -hmm. Go find it from your local library. Go find it and read it. And then tell us all your feelings. (laughs) (laughs) And if you read it as a child what do you think about this book? And if you read it as an adult, what do you think about this book? And if you've seen the movie, how does your emotional experience of the movie compare with your experience of the book? I would love to hear Mm -hmm. from you. Absolutely. All right. Well, so you already said, and I agree with you, this movie is good and seriously good. Absolutely. And one of the things it's seriously good at is provoking all these thoughts. Mm -hmm. It's been a weird podcast, but we're, we dealt with a lot of uh, craziness today, and I'm feeling like I'm going to fall asleep any second. So we got we got to put this baby to bed. Right. <laughs> and the baby is me, not just the podcast. And I'm sorry, next time I'll let Jan do most of the talking. <laughs> <laughs> you had a lot to say about this particular thing. You have an emotional connection to it. So there's that. Okay, where to find us, guys? You can find us on Twitter. As Paul said, you want to give us any of your thoughts about Little Prince, you can drop us an email way too seriously cast at gmail.com we'd love to hear you uh if you want to send us even a sound file of you talking we could play that on a future podcast sure thanks to everyone who uh emails and talks to us on twitter it always makes our day if you want to support us on patreon patreon.com slash clockworkscast a little as a dollar a month to get some fun bonus content 
And if you uh, want to support the show, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That really means a lot to us. I was going to say about contacting us, I think soon we will do a mini episode where we will read some of your comments that we've had. We record these so far ahead of time that I always feel like by the time we get a comment, we're, you know, 12 episodes ahead and it's hard to like, three months ago, someone commented. But I think we'll do like a short episode where we read and kind of talk back to some of the comments and emails and things that we've gotten. Look for that soon. So, you said, talked about Twitter, but you never actually said, at WTSCast oh, is where on Twitter. <laughs> Contact us in all those ways. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Jan Moffat. I've been Paul Moffat. And That's it's the o- end. It's only <laughs> with the heart that one can see truly. What's most essential is invisible to the eyes. I love you, sweetie. I love you, too.